Okay, this is part two of questions and answers with uh, Holly McKay from Kabul, Afghanistan. And uh, how you doing, Holly? You ready for part two? I am. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So the first question here is from R.D. Olson. And uh, R.D. asks, what are some of the financial and economic hardships the Afghanistan civilians are currently experiencing? Oh, well, that's a really loaded question. I think in every single sector there, it's just a huge economic and really humanitarian crisis that comes with that. One of the most flagrant is the, the health situation, the health sector. Most of the NGOs and things that were here were foreigners and they all disappeared on August 15th when the Taliban came in. So now you have a situation where you have basically a public health system now run by the Taliban, which has no money, and that was very run down before uh, the Taliban even came in because of corruption and a multitude of other things. And now it's just an absolute disaster zone. So that is really, um, you know, the, the regular, the common Afghans are the ones who suffer from that. And in addition, there just is no money in the country. Um, to get money out, people have to still line up for days. They're very limited on how much they can take out per week. Um, and mind you, people still haven't got their salaries. They haven't got the salaries even from the previous government. So this has been months and months now without being paid. And people are still sort of expected to show up to work, which naturally has a drop off rate. Um, so it's just it's an absolute quagmire all around. And um, it's only going to get worse as the winter progresses. Oh, gosh, that doesn't sound very good at all. OK, Um so uh taking that, the next question is from Marie Velasco 09. And uh Mar- Marie, it's M-A-R-I, asks, how have the children and women been since the whole transition as time has passed? Same or worse? And uh, uh Marie says, love what you were doing. Thank you, Marie. Uh, so, yeah, the situation for women is obviously, um, especially in the cities like Kabul, the situation has become pretty dire for them, especially ones that were very much used to working, uh, used to going to school, uh, secondary education, and a lot of the universities in the public sector remain closed. And that, of course, has been the case now for almost four months. So it's pretty, it's pretty disheartening. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they really are, are in a holding pattern in many cases. Um, but on the flip side of that, the lives of rural women, uh, which often don't make the media cycle and they should, their lives won't change a great deal. Most of those women, um, they generally work, you know, in the in labor jobs as well, and they will continue to do that. And, and generally their, their lives in some ways, you could argue, may actually improve on the basis that the security situation isn't what it was anymore. And there aren't the level of attacks and, and the warfare that was happening. So uh, their lives will either sort of stay the same or possibly uh, become a little bit more stable. Interesting. Well, yeah, interesting effects. Okay. So next question is from White Pine Chiropractic. And the question is, are they allowing kites still or are those being taken away again? Uh, yeah, so in the 90s, that was one of the things that the Taliban's banned was kite flying. You know, they sort of banned a lot of the entertainment things, but that hasn't happened this time. Uh, usually, you know, Friday, which is the day off in Afghanistan, you can see a lot of kites still in the sky. It's a bigger thing during the summer and the spring, but 
but kites are, are still very much allowed and, and children everywhere you go are, are trying to fly their kites off roofs of buildings and um, it's still a very much an Afghan tradition. Yeah, interesting. Okay, uh, next question. We're just moving things right along here because we have a few questions to get through. This one's from Greg, Greg Karen, and the question is, are there rumors or reports of any genocide events for the Hazaras in the northeast? That's, uh, I guess, around Mazar and Herat, now that the Taliban is back. So, again, you know, the Hazaras really were persecuted under the last Taliban regime. And, of course, they are Shia, which is a minority. Afghanistan is mostly Sunni. But uh, the Hazara, this time, I think the Taliban is going to a lot greater lengths to protect them in many ways, or at least leave them alone. And I just spent a lot of time uh, with uh, the very big Hazara community in the north in Herat last week, and they pretty much echoed that, that things for them, um, they weren't what they were in the 1990s, but of course they now have the threat of ISIS-K or Daesh. So that is something that is a, a big concern to the Hazara community. Okay, next question uh, is from Carrington799. And um, uh, a bunch of accolades for you again, you know, uh, great work over there and all that kind of stuff. And the question is, do you think the winter will bring a large humanitarian disaster? And if so, will the Taliban allow anyone to help? Uh, right. So the second part of that is that it's, it's not that the Taliban isn't allowing people to help. The Taliban wants people to help. The Taliban wants uh, the international community and the NGOs to come. Of course, they uh, they have the sort of the guys that the, that any sort of foreigners coming in have to follow um, their their laws and their Islamic values. Um, which are, are, you know, can be problematic to some, but in many cases, it's really just the NGOs that are either concerned about sanctions, um, or concerned about safety and have a not to return to the country. So uh, the Taliban is basically begging for help, uh, with conditions, of course, and NGOs are sort of having to struggle whether you work with the Taliban or not, which is the, the dilemma of most Western governments right now. Okay. Well, that's a very good on the ground picture of what's going on there. Next question is from Tool and Die C. And the question is, are the Taliban more tolerant of women than ISIS K? Do you think the people of Afghanistan will ever cooperate with America again when we have to send our forces back? I don't see any sort of immediate situation where America will come back to Afghanistan. Quite frankly, I don't sort of see a situation where any country is going to come back to Afghanistan, especially after just decades of war. And this states before the U.S. invaded after 2001. Afghanistan was very much in a state of war for a long time. First of all, the Soviet invasion and then the backing of the Mujahideen to take them out during the 1980s. And then, of course, the situation spiraled in the 90s into a civil war until the Taliban was then elected in 1996. So uh, the conflict has been going on for a long time. And I think if you can go back even centuries, back to the British, you'll see that you know, Afghans have always won, and any time foreigners have tried to come into the country, they have left uh, basically with their tail between their legs after a, a expensive and a lot of blood and treasure lost. So I don't sort of see that scenario happening at any time soon. Um, so hopefully, yeah, that sort of answers answers the question in that capacity. 
Okay. And then on the uh, question about are the Taliban more tolerant of women than ISIS-K? I would definitely say so. I I mean, it's a different, you know, people like to lump a lot of these Islamic extremist groups together, but there are very different um, philosophies between the Taliban and ISIS-K. And I certainly would head that ISIS-K in its its actions, whilst a, you know, a very small insurgency compared to the Taliban, which is now a government, um, you know, their actions are incredibly brutal. Um, they deliberately sort of, you know, target whoever they can, irrespective of whether they're a child, a woman, a man, it, it doesn't sort of matter to them. And you could argue during the Taliban's insurgency years, it sort of took a similar approach. But I would certainly say that the Taliban have a different respect or of women than ISIS-K does. Okay. Next question is from uh, Phil Gard. And the question uh, has to do with your feelings. When you see the victims and spend time with them and meet their families, how do you feel uh, uh, like going back home? It's, it's a very challenging thing. I think for a lot of journalists, um, we go into people's homes and into their lives and people open up and share very intimate and painful stories with us. And it's hard not really being able to do anything directly to help them other than to be able to share their story. Um, and I think that is a, it's sort of something we call moral injury. And that's something that plagues a lot of us and especially me as well, because I, I'm not the sort of person that can completely compartmentalize in those situations and nor do I want to be that person because I think it's very important to maintain that empathy and, and you need to bring that out when you are telling these stories. And, and I don't want to be ever a vulture that goes in and takes someone's stories and, and just sort of publish it publishes it and runs away but it's certainly it's even more difficult I think when you come back and you remove from it and you have a little bit more time to reflect upon it and oftentimes these people are still reaching out to you and 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 trying to get help and you're thousands of miles away and and really not able to do much more than than tell their story and and that's something that that sits with you and it it is a struggle okay um next question from gravy train 87 and um, this one uh, is a brass tax question. Is ISIS currently gaining or losing strength in Afghanistan? Well, if you ask most Taliban officials, they will say that ISIS doesn't exist. So there is this sort of huge whitewashing that the you know top and bottom echelons are trying to do. Um, they're trying to project this image of, of stability and, and security and safety after 20 years of war. But the reality on the ground isn't what the Taliban's want to tell you. The reality on the ground, from my experience, is certainly that ISIS-K is, is launching incredibly frequent attacks all across the country. Um, and you just sort of never know when and how that is going to happen. And it certainly seems to me that they are gaining ground and they're taking advantage of this sort of vacuum and they're taking advantage of the fact that thousands of their most brutal members were all released from jail in that sort of transition period. So it's certainly something that is a concern to me. And even more concerning is the Taliban's uh, reluctance to acknowledge what a concern that is. Okay. All right. So this is the last question. And uh, this one's from Jenny Lee Matthews. And uh, the question is, you'll like this one. In the West, we handle stress by going to the spa, drinking wine and having me time. 
How do the Afghan people handle the stress and fear of living in a country controlled by the Taliban? I think it's certainly very difficult for them. And, and it's yes, it's not a place that you go to the spa or go to the bar or anything like that. But Afghans are also, um, family is the center of everything in Afghanistan. So most people live with their extended family. You've got usually there's you know, multiple brothers. They're living there with their wives and the kids and the parents. And, and so you sort of have these big houses, even in, in very poor parts. It's still that family is, is absolutely everything. So I think people really rely on each other and they are constantly, um, you know, sort of surrounded by other people. And there's always that sense of community. And that's uh, quite contrasted to, I think, a lot of our lives in the West where people live on their own and, and work on their own and sort of do their own thing and, and certainly have much smaller numbers of children. Whereas in Afghanistan, um, you know, family and, and building that family is, is I think the core and that's, they rely upon each other to to get through those hardships. All right. Well, that's a very good place to end. And um, thank you, Holly. Uh, uh, thank you for the for answering more questions. And uh, we'll talk to you for more Q and A the next time we get another batch of questions. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate your support. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.